drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Hey, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Today is Thursday, February 16th, 2023. It's the feast of Blessed Bernard Scamarca. He was born to pious and wealthy parents in Catania in 1430. And despite a privileged education, he lived a wild and desolate life in his youth. However, during his recovery from a leg wound sustained in a duel, he reflected on his way of life and resolved to change course. He joined the Order of Preachers in 1452 and became known for his charitable works strict adherence to the rule of St. Dominic, and devotion to the passion of Christ, which sometimes caused him to enter into ecstasies. He founded a hospital for the poor, worked as a spiritual director, and had the gift of prophecy. He served as prior of the convents of Catania in Palermo and was named vicar general of the Reformed Celestian Convents. He died in 1487 and later appeared in a vision to the prior of his convent, requesting that his incorrupt remains be moved to the house's chapel. St. Bernard, or Blessed Bernard, rather, pray for us. So good morning to you. Today is Thursday, which means I can now start panicking about everything I was supposed to do for the week, but I haven't got done yet. I don't know about you, but uh, you might be in the same boat as I am. And there's a list of things that you're like, oh, I'll just put do it tomorrow. I'll just do it tomorrow. And then tomorrow has become Friday. So today is Thursday. You still have today and tomorrow to accomplish your task for the week. So don't delay. Put off putting things off. There was a great sign I saw. It said, uh, procrastinate procrastination. Exactly. That's, that's the task for today. But good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. How are you doing today? I, I got some things I still have to do myself. Yes. Uh, I, well, I'm too blessed to be stressed, too anointed to be disappointed. And if grace was money, I'd be a millionaire. Wow. I... I'd be uh, a centenaire, so. <laughs> <laughs> the you know, it was really nice to see. I'm monitoring the uh, social media streams because we live stream our radio show onto YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, Odyssey, and people can join us there by just looking us up, Catholic Drive Time, on any of those platforms. And Kim Wilcox said, "Good morning. We'll pray for your great grandma and your lost missile." Uh, thank you, Kim. I really appreciate that. She, because uh, yes, uh, my great grandmother, very old. She's 91, 90, 91 years old, something around there. And she is uh, towards the end of her life. So thank you very much for praying for her. And my lost missile, yes, St. Anthony, please find it for me. I'd very much appreciate that. If you want to join us uh, this Lent, we as a CDT uh, group are going to be going through the Aquinas Catechism for Lent. Uh, many people have talked about the, the crisis of education of our faith, of knowing our faith. And, you know, Father Mike Schmitz is doing the Catechism of the Year, and that's a, that's a huge commitment. But if you want to go through a much smaller catechism writ, written by St. Thomas Aquinas, you can do that with the CDT team And uh, on starting Ash Wednesday. How do you do it? Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and sign up for our email list. This Friday, I'm going to send out an email with a link to our private Telegram chat, and that's going to be the only way you're going to be able to get access to this exclusive catechism study session with the CDT team. So that's going to be uh, one opportunity for you. 
But uh, Tito, how are you ready for uh, the weekend? You're almost there. Yes, I am ready for the weekend. I'm ready to rest and relax, uh, as well as catch up on some some things. Uh, it has been an out, outstanding two weeks thus far, uh, being with you and Rudy. I've really uh, learned a lot and uh, finding my sea legs, and uh, very happy to be here. Thank you for asking. Awesome. Praise be to God. Uh, so keep Tito in your prayers. Make sure he doesn't uh, flee from the wolves, as one might say. Uh, but uh, coming up during this show today, at 15 past the hour, I really, really want to discuss UFOs. Uh, but, you know, it's not actually that important. So we, we, I need to discuss the Leah Thomas story update. You might remember the story, Leah Thomas, who's actually Will Thomas, goes by Leah Thomas, a transvestite and who competed in women's swimming. Uh, just so an update on that story came out recently. It seems like old news, but a big story. Very interesting, and we're going to talk about that. If we have time, I also want to discuss the world government wants your children. A interesting story out of the Daily Wire was reported there. I wanted to share with you. And if we have time, I want to talk about UFOs. Probably won't, but it's not that important. But I uh, maybe maybe on Friday. Maybe it's a Friday thing. So we'll see. I think we're going to have fun talking about UFOs and be semi-serious at least. At least a little bit. And at 30 past the hour, Charles Fraun, author of Slaying Dragons, What Exorcists See and What We Should Know to Discuss Sante Muerte. So if you've never heard of the Santa Muerte cult, it involves the cartel. A lot of uh, Hispanics, especially Mexican Catholics, are involved in it. It's very bad. We're going to discuss that. Uh, it also has an interesting relationship with Dia de los Muertos, which we'll talk about that as well. And in the next hour, we're going to be playing our Fear and Trembling game show, so you're going to want to be on the board for that. So a lot to unpack, a big day. You're, we're going to want to uh, stay tuned for all of it. won't want to miss a single moment. But let's jump into prayer. I want to pray for your intentions today. I want to pray that you are able to succeed in all the tasks that you have to uh, accomplish by tomorrow. And I also want to still continue to pray for Ohio, for Palestine, Ohio, that they everything is resolved there, that the grace of God descend upon them and protect them. And I'm going to pray for whatever intentions you have today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Today is Thursday, February 16th, and these are your headlines for today. Michael Stetschult at Detroit Catholic reports the Catholic community at Michigan State University expresses sorrow prayers after the horrific shooting. Three people were killed and five were injured on February 13. Catholic leaders in the state of Michigan reacted Tuesday to the news of a mass shooting on the campus of MSU with a mixture of shock, sorrow, and a pledge to pray for and accompany victims. Nirmala Carvalho at Crux reports that Indian Catholics will resist a plan by the BJP-led municipality to destroy their ancient chapel. Catholic priests and lady in Daman, located on India's western coast near Bombay, are challenging, 
challenging a decision by the local government led by a party with links to right-wing Hindu nationalists to, Detroit, to, to destroy a 400-year-old Catholic chapel to expand a nearby athletic field. Critics claim the rise of the BJP since Modi's election in 2014 has made life increasingly difficult for Christians. Hannah Brockhaus at Catholic News Agency reports Pope Francis has created an independent supervisory commission for the Rome Diocese. This supervisory commission is part of the Pope's reform of the government's governance of the Rome Diocese, a reorganization that centralizes more of the diocese's activities under his authority. Joseph Pranichen at National Catholic Register reports a catechesis on the demonic. The Exorcist Files podcast has topped the charts. Charts. This new podcast series unpacks the dangers of the devil and the victory of Christ over evil by Father Carlos Martins of the Companions of the Cross. Father Martins is an official exorcist on two continents, as such, seeing and knowing the great needs in today's morally and spiritually deteriorating culture, he has launched the Exorcist Files podcast, which premiered on iHeart in January. And these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. The Gospel of the Day comes from Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 33. Then Jesus went with his disciples into the villages round Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciples, Who do men say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist. And the others say, Elias. Others that thou art like one of the prophets. Then he said to them, And what of you? Who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, Thou art the Christ. And he strictly charged them not to tell anyone about him. And now he began to make it known to them that the Son of Man must be much ill-used and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be put to death and rise again after three days. This he told them openly, whereupon Peter, drawing him to his side, fell to reproaching him. And he returned about and seeing his disciples there, rebuked Peter. Back, Satan, he said, these thoughts of thine are man's, not God's. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Lapide says, Who do men say? Whom do they say that I am, who out of humility am want to call myself the Son of Man am? And especially I now so call myself, that I may examine your faith concerning me, O ye apostles. He goes on to say, But some said, or one of the prophets. And the common people among the Jews were aware that for several hundred years prophets had failed to be amongst them, together with the Ark of the Covenant and the oracles from the mercy seat. Thus they thought that Christ was not a new prophet, but one of the ancient prophets. For in Christ they beheld their virtues, their miracles, and their doctrine. Few indeed were they who believed with certainty that he was the Messiah. By far the greater number did not believe. They were offended at his humility and his poverty. They thought Messiah would come with regal pomp as a son of Solomon, as his Jews still think and expect. Wherefore, although some of the people had recently said, when they saw so many miracles done by Christ, is not this the son of David? And this is indeed a prophet which should come into the world. And yet this was a sudden and transient cry, excited, elicited by beholding a miracle, not a firm and settled opinion. 
It's interesting to note because Cornelius Adopide goes on to talk about how amongst the Jews there was no unity. We, we kind of think today anachronistically, we look back on history and we say, oh yeah, the Jews all believe this. Oh yeah, the Jews believe that. But at the time, they were the many sects of, of which we know a few from Holy Scripture, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians. There's, a much, there's many sects of Jews that existed even during that time. And so there is various opinions. Some believe in the resurrection of the body. Some believe that the souls could move from body to body. And that's called the transmigration of the soul. And they thought, well, maybe one of the souls of, uh, of other people, like John the Baptist, just moved into this body. And so that was one of the opinions that some people had. And Jesus said to them, but whom do ye, St. Chrysostom says, with regard to the subject itself, the Lord, by his second question, admonishes his disciples to think more loftily concerning him. By the very manner of his interrogation, he shows that these common opinions fell far short of his dignity. You, he says, who have been always with me, and who yourselves have done so many miracles in my name, whom do ye say that I am? Simon Peter answering, he who was called Simon, when he was circumcised, but by Christ named Cephas or Peter, Peter being wiser than the rest, for as much as he was taught of God and being more fervent, lest anyone should answer unworthily concerning Christ, dashed in with his answer and replied on behalf of all, not because he knew the mind of all, for he had not spoken with them concerning the matter, but because he wished that his own opinion should be common to them all. Very interesting, because this is an illusion a, a one illusion amongst many of Peter as the first pope, as Peter exercising his authority over the other apostles, of Peter showing that he is a leader of the apostles, of Peter showing some an element of infallibility, because notice, when he speaks about doctrine, he is correct, and Christ says that you there was not revealed to you by man, but by God. But then whenever he says, well, no, no, Lord, don't die. Don't go and be crucified. That's terrible. What happens? Our Lord rebukes him and says that is of man. Because the Pope can be wrong about prudential decisions, about disciplinary matters, about things like that. But when it comes to infallible doctrines, like, for instance, declaring who our Lord is, that is protected by infallibility. So today, what is it that we should meditate upon? One, let's think about the grandeur and majesty of the papacy. Let's think about how, what a grace it was that our Lord gave us this wonderful and beautiful office. And the second thing is, who do you say the Son of Man is? Who do you say that our Lord is? Who do you say that Jesus Christ is? Is he just some teacher to you? Is he someone to talk to on Sundays? Or is he Lord over every moment and every action of your day? something to meditate upon today. We'll be right back with more information on Catholic Drive Time. Hi, it's your conscience here again. You know you want it. I'm talking, of course, about the 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. And on Friday, February 24th, it could be all yours if your name is drawn. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 each or 5 for 100 So what are you waiting for? 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today there's a lot of information that just came out. Oh, every day there's a lot of information, a lot of stories to talk about. Like that shooting that happened. We're going to have a conversation about that next week. There's a lot to be said there. Let's pray for everybody involved in that situation. Very sad. But, you know, one story that came out, it was reported by Crane & Company. They are a conservative newscast, um, a sports cast, rather. And they were kind of like, oh, you know, you can't watch sports information anymore without everything being woke and everything. All they do is talk about the Pride Month and Transgender Month and all this, that, and the other. Everything is racial. So let's make a conservative sports show where we can just talk about sports. And, you know, they came across... Riley Gaines, who was a, a female a swimmer, obviously Riley, a name like Ray. Well, yeah, I, mean, I guess it's not obvious anymore, but she's a female swimmer and competed against Leah Thomas, who is in reality Will Thomas, but goes by Leah Thomas. That's probably where you've heard his name. And actually, it's very difficult to find his name anywhere. They kind of doxed it or cut it out of everywhere. It was sad to search for his, his real name. Very interesting. But she actually tied with Will Thomas. Whenever they were swimming, they actually had to put the timer down to like a hundredth of a second to see if they who won and they were exactly tied. And so it was very interesting because she was told that the trophy had to go to Will Thomas because uh, it was that was just what they had to do. And so even though they tied the picture, the famous picture of Will Thomas holding up the trophy, that's from that's from the, that where is that that's where that is. And they tied, yet he's the one that got to hold the trophy, showing kind of this transgender ideology. And so the Crane & Company did a really great interview. I highly check, recommend checking out, look up Crane & Company on YouTube and watching their whole interview with Riley Gaines. It's kind of mind-blowing, the things that she was saying. But she had mentioned that in the locker room, the swimming locker rooms, and you know, there's a whole discussion could be had about modesty in women's locker rooms, men's locker rooms as well, but women's locker rooms, like, should women really be like doing these kind of things? It's, is it really appropriate? Because uh, she's talked about, she's like, women locker rooms are not a place of modesty. It's what she said. Those are exact, her, her exact words. Not a place of modesty. She said, we kind of just get used to us being that way because you have to be in various states of undress for a long period of time because the, the swimsuits are difficult to put on. And so they said that sometimes you would be in the state of undress for like up to 15 minutes getting dressed. I'm like, whew, that's a long time because I did football and you would have about five seconds to take you to throw your, your pants on real quick. It's no big deal. 
but that I was thought that was very interesting. But they said uh, she said that this Leah Thomas, Will Thomas, came in, and they were all just shocked because it was all females, and then this man comes in and gets undressed to put on his swimsuit, and they all get to see everything. And she had mentioned that one of the one of her uh, I guess not teammates because it's a swim. One of the other competitors that she knew was actually sexually assaulted in high school, and so she has issues with men. She doesn't. She gets panicked and things like that around men, and she pleaded with the officials to say, "Hey, can we not have this guy in the in the locker room?" And she was told no. And she uh, and Riley Gaines said that they talk. She they still talk today, and she had mentioned that she still has nightmares about about Will Thomas being in that locker room. So everybody wants to talk about compassion and things like that. What about the compassion for the women? What about compassion for the people who don't want to have large men in their locker rooms? That's disgusting. The other point is that this is happening at a peewee level, she had mentioned. I didn't know this. Riley Gaines had mentioned that even on the peewee level, like flag football kind of thing, at the for the young children, peewee level, for all sports, this has started to pop up. So this is something that is not just like, oh, that's just college sports or, oh, that's just professional sports, but it's not going to affect my kids. Well, according to Riley, she was saying that this is affecting everyone now. It's in high schools more and more every year, but now it's even going down to younger kids. So this is something that's really going to be effectual to people. And she said the good news is, though, that many Olympic athletes are starting to speak out. And she's saying that athletes of all kinds need to start speaking out. Uh, before I go on with the story, because this is about where we're going to get into some things that are a little disturbing, if not, if this hasn't disturbing enough yet. Uh, but Tito, what are your thoughts, uh, your your corollary <clears throat> thoughts? Uh, what you mentioned, how his his name, Will Thomas, was doxxed from the Internet. It was purposeful. It, the corporate media is, is in lockstep with this woke culture. A prime example is when the senator from Hawaii, Maisie Hirano, redefined what it meant to be anti-gay, I think, or something like that. And Webster's Dictionary, within the hour, updated that definition. Webster's Dictionary online. They changed it. That doesn't happen like that. There's committees, there's there's these meetings, and and they vet the the evolution or the progression of these words. Uh, But I guess all that goes out the window when it comes to woke ideology, and that is that is fascinating and disturbing at the same time. So this is there's a underlying demonic character of how quickly all of this has been occurring this last two to three years. And uh, I think we should expect more of this in the future. Absolutely. And I like how you said a demonic character, because that brings us right into this next point about the same topic. At this point, I know I would be very prudent and decide uh, this is a, a lot of something I'm going to try to be as PG as possible and as clinical as possible. But this gets a little disturbing. So if you have young children in the car, you may want to, uh, to turn a switch over for about five minutes and come back afterwards. But, you know, I do recommend, though, if you have kids in high school that go to a public high school, they're probably going to be exposed to this. So it might be worth letting them hear this. But I'm going to leave that up to your decision it is a little disturbing, but if this is happening in high schools and middle schools, and it's happening younger and younger, so uh, use your prudence and whether or not you think this is appropriate for your family. But this is very disturbing. 
So Crane and company reported further after the interview with Riley Gaines. They said, we sat down with NCAA women's swimmer Riley Gaines, and she shared some info about Leah Thomas. So we did some digging. Also, I don't like how they always use the person's one, what the name they want to be called uh, rather than their real name. It's really rather annoying to me. But anyway, so we did some digging, and now we have a lot of questions. Is this what the NCAA thinks a woman is? Warning, what we just found is jarring. Leah Thomas appears to have two Instagram accounts, his public account and then a private account. And multiple of his Instagram posts about AGP, which is autogynephilia, that Leah Thomas allegedly engaged with. AGP, autogynephilia, is a male's propensity to be sexually aroused by the thoughts of himself as a female. And so what they're discovering is that this man most likely does not believe that he he's not even mentally disturbed in the sense that he believes that he's a woman. He's mentally disturbed in the sense that he is sexually aroused by himself dressing like a woman. And this whole thing is the public, the entire country, the entire public, the swimming industry, the NCAA, everyone participating in his sexual fetishes. That's what this is. And it continues. Crane then linked to a separate Twitter thread from Nicole Walro, who hosts the feminist recovery program here she said the tweet included three screenshots of instagram posts dealing with autogynephilia or agp which thomas liked on his private account perhaps most troubling however are all of leah thomas's self admissions of being agp autogynephilia a form of sexual response in biological males characterized by sexual arousal over the idea of being or becoming female very interesting Leah's alleged romantic partner going by Gwen Weisenkopf. Very interesting. The, the, the person here is like the most confusing thing ever. It's Leah, Th- Will Thomas identifies as a woman, Leah Thomas, and he is dating a man who identifies as a woman going by Gwen. And so he's actually just gay, I guess. That's, it's very weird. And so continuing. They they post uh, themselves on these Instagram posts. See, this is why you should get your kids off of Instagram. Do not let them have these social media accounts. This is so bad for your kids' souls. They post very uh, post images of themselves in various states of undress. Besides posing in front of bondage gear in bikinis and with with genital bulges, Gwen posts dark and satanic artwork. One that was liked by Leah Thomas ironically jokes that Leah will bring about the collapse of Western civilization. And another of Leah's as a demonic dominatrix character. They are also in a, quote, polyamorous sex pod, meaning they are they're having um, group events of a sexual nature. It's very disgusting. The last point, and then I want to get Tito's response or reaction to this is they also had a a they posted a picture of a round shaped organ looking item in a clear ball jar um i'll let you connect the dots there in terms of what would be in that jar so this is um very disturbing if to say the least i'll leave it to you uh, tito what are your thoughts reaction to that these these alleged uh identifications are, is, is a masquerade for most of them anyways for a fetish the remember when Biden hired that trans transvestite 
to the Department of Transportation. I'm not sure which department goes around dressing in women's dresses. And he got caught not once, not twice, three times stealing luggage at airport. His picture on the on the camera, I, I think it was twice. And they finally got rid of him. They fired him after that. It's a fetish. This this thing masquerading as an identification is we're we're just pandering to people that have mental issues that are suffering with some sort of uh, mental illness and this is happening so quickly we it's difficult to grasp and and understand some of this information i'm glad you cited that report that you just read adrian because this is the kind of thing that the mainstream medium used to be known for and now it's it's being reported by smaller organizations and it barely gets a blip. I didn't even know it existed until you said it. Right. It's really concerning. Uh, no one hears about this these kind of stories because it, it's important to bring to light. People might say, why do you got to bring this up? It's just disturbing. It's gross, yada, 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 things like that. And I understand it is gross. It is disturbing. And in a sense, you know, it's kind of it seems far off, seems very aloof. But this is actually very important to bring up because the media, the world, the flesh, the devil is trying to encourage us. And they try to argue with Christian words. They say, you need to be loving. You need to be charitable to these people. And yeah, of course you need to be charitable to these people. But is it charitable to go along with their delusions? And then, But what about everyone else? Don't we need to be charitable to the people who are being exposed to these things? Don't we need to be charitable to the women who witness these things? to the children that are going to be exposed to this, those are the people we need to be charitable to as well. And so we might need to uh, try to reject this, reject these people in order to preserve our friends, our family, our children, our loved ones. We have to keep those things in mind as well. That's very, very important. So let's pray for Will Thomas's conversion, but let's also pray that there's an end to this transgender madness, that these transvestite ideologies be rejected wholly and entirely because we want to preserve the innocence of our young children. We'll be right back talking about Santa Muerte with Charles Fraud. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed at a church down the street. 
Hey Sita, how do you ask, do you love Catholic radio in German? Liebst du das katholische Radio? How about support it by purchasing car raffle tickets for a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250? Unterstütze es mit dem Kauf eines Tickets, mit dem du einen 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 gewinnen kannst. Hmm, okay. How about get yours at grnonline.com forward slash raffle? Kauf eins auf grnonline.com forward slash raffle. Thank you. I needed that for a PSA. Cool. When are you recording it? Right now. Oh, danke. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Thursday, February 16th, and these are your headlines for today. Jonah McKean at Catholic News Agency reports on a list of U.S. dioceses that have declared bankruptcy. More than two dozen U.S. dioceses, including two in the U.S. overseas territories, have entered into bankruptcy proceedings, the vast majority in the past decade. Of those dioceses, 11 are in the midst of the proceedings, while 15 have completed the process. Many dioceses have cited the high cost of settling abuse claims as a major factor in the decision to declare bankruptcy. Jose Enrique Mujica at Zenit reports a demo survey revealing that Pope Francis is the most popular personality in Italy, but his percentage has decreased after 10 years of his pontificate. The Holy Father has the confidence of 68% of the population, However, it's not the confidence he had at the start of his pontificate when he enjoyed the confidence of 90% of Italians. Nevertheless, his percentage continues to be among the highest. Vatican News reports that the, that the dicastery for the Eastern Churches has a Maronite priest being appointed as secretary. Lebanese Maronite priest Father Michael Halak, until now rector of the Antonine University in Baabda, Lebanon has been appointed by Pope Francis as the new secretary of the dicastery for the Oriental Churches. And finally, Peter Pinedo at Catholic News Agency reports bishops have opened registration for the first National Eucharistic Congress in 83 years. The National Eucharistic Congress will take place in Indianapolis from July 17th through the 21st next year, 2024. A five-day event of prayers, speakers, and liturgical celebrations, the Congress is expected to have a festival-like atmosphere similar to World Youth Day and will likely draw a crowd of 80,000 faithful. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And before we jump in our interview with Charles Fraun, uh, I have to remind you, we're giving away a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250 in polar white. You can uh, get tickets to be entered into the drawing by going to grnonline.com and buying your tickets there. There are one ticket for $25 or five tickets for $100. All proceeds go to benefit the GRN. Or you can contact your local general manager directly and buy some tickets from them directly. And when you do, uh, make sure you pick up a few extra tickets to sell on our behalf. We'd be very grateful for your help. And uh, let them know that Catholic Drive Time sent you. I'm curious if anyone's done that. I'd be very curious. And I'd like to give a shout-out to Kim Sunderman, who came into our studio yesterday and picked up some or dropped off some tickets that she sold on our behalf. Thank you very much, Kim Sunderman. We really appreciate your support, and everyone else who does so as well. But joining us right now is Charles Fraun. He wrote the book. He's the author of Slaying Dragons, What Exorcists See and What We Should Know. 
You can find that on Amazon and other places, or go to his website, theslayingdragonbook.com. It's an excellent book. I actually bought it for my sister for Christmas uh, two years ago, I believe. It was an excellent book. Highly recommend checking it out. And I believe he's working on a new book. Uh, but good morning to you, Mr. Fraun. Thank you. Yes, uh, it's good to be here. Praise be to God. It's good to have you. And the topic we're going to discuss is uh, the Santa Muerte cult. You know, I was the reason why the story came up was because recently in Houston, and actually it was, technically it was Galveston, in Galveston there was a report saying at 6.30 a.m. after someone reported finding headless carcasses of goats, chickens, and a pigeon. Two headless goats, three chickens, and a pigeons, which were part of a Santeria animal sacrifice ceremony. Uh, Officer Caldwell added that this isn't the first time animal remains from a sacrifice ritual were found on the same beach. That was news to me. I didn't realize that that was happening right here in my backyard. I was very surprised by that. And I was like, okay, who can I talk to about the Santa Muerte cult? And I was scouring the internet, and there's like no Catholics talking about this issue. I was very surprised. There's been a couple good bishops that have spoken out against this. But in general, it's been a huge uh, blanket of silence, surprisingly enough. Uh, so, Charles Fraun, tell me about the Santa Muerte cult. What is it, and uh, why is it bad? Yeah, so, um, like you said, I'm working on a, another book, which um, includes Santa Muerte. Um, it's on the rise of the occult throughout the world, but principally in the United States, because that's where I'm located. Uh, but uh, there'll be two volumes, and actually Santa Muerte is in the second volume. So when you invited me to come on, I realized, okay, let me finish my research. So Santa Muerte is, like you said, it's not being condemned enough, though in kind of an extraordinary way, as one of the historians said, one of the anthropologists involved in the research on this issue, um, a cardinal, Cardinal Ravazzi, I think it is, uh, in 2013, he condemned Santa Muerte specifically. And then Pope Francis, when he came to Mexico, in 2016, condemned it implicitly. He didn't name it, but he condemned it. And he thought this researcher found that to be quite extraordinary that those two high-profile people in the church would um, condemn it. But like you said, only three bishops in the United States have condemned it, though it's in, see, where's my list? I've, it's in um, Louisiana, California, New York, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Texas, Illinois. It's all over the United States, even into Canada, the Philippines, Europe, Australia, Chile, it's it's everywhere, about 12 million mm -hmm. followers uh, right now, though it's difficult to estimate how many people there are because apparently the, the rich people, especially in where it's predominant in Mexico, don't publicize their devotion to Santa Muerte because it's just, you know, it's taboo. It's it's just look at the image. So one of the things that's so many things that are really creepy about this, one thing that is taking off, two, that it, it was Santa Muerte, so it's a she, it's a female demon, however you want to describe it. She um, is a miracle worker. This is the reason why the cult is so appealing. She will answer the prayers of the people who petition her. It's it's really mind-boggling. Like The miracles are a big deal to this cult. But then also she's referred to as an amoral, amoral miracle worker. She'll do miracles for anybody, any reason, any time. But you're required, of course, to buy in, to bind yourself to her in a certain way, and you you owe her. And she'll, this is something we could talk about when it comes to the dangers. But it's a, it's a phenomenal allowance that God is permitting right now, this, this demon to be so active. Yeah, it's very interesting. It's, it's very akin to, in my mind, a lot of the paganism that happened before the Christians came in. 
before. I mean, nowadays in our secular society, we think, oh, those pagans, they just were imagining things. They made up these gods. They were just making things up themselves. And the stories of all these miracles and things of the past, those weren't real. Um, but we know that, as St. Paul says, the, all the gods of the, de- of the pagans were demons. And so many of those miracles were probably were true. So can you talk about that element for a second, how, how the demons can actually do things that appear to us as miracles. Yeah, and uh, that'll be in my... Uh, so in the next book on, on the rise of the occult that's coming out in a couple of months, I'll have two volumes. In the first volume, I talk about the supposed miracles or the pseudo-miracles of demons. So God allows demons who are angels. So angels are very, very powerful beings. And even though these demons are fallen angels, they still retain a lot of the power of their nature, a lot of the abilities. They do not have grace, so that supernatural power they don't have, but they have the power to act on our minds, our emotions, our hearts, our memories, and also on the world. They can move things. They can acquire things. They also have this super knowledge that we can't even comprehend. So they can, they can, they can do things that appear miraculous, but it's all in the course of nature. That's the key. But their understanding and their ability to interact with nature is so far beyond our ability to even understand that to us it appears miraculous. They also know things that are happening all over the world, so they can kind of coordinate things and make it appear like they did it, but they just knew it was going to happen. So they'll tell you, like, mm-hmm. well, actually, in three days, you're going to get a check in the mail you know, from me. Well, actually, it was already in the mail. It's already been postmarked. So the demon knows that. You just don't know that. So then you think, oh, this is a demonic gift. You know, what do I do? But some of the miracles of Santa Muerte are uh, just mind-boggling. Like, there's one account from my research. I interviewed about 40 people for my new book. And one of the people there is a a seer from Mexico. And she told me of a story from working with somebody who came from Mexico that people trying to cross with the help of coyotes crossing the United States were told to kneel and pray to Santa Muerte and dedicate your life to her and promise to worship her in the United States. And then... A miracle, I mean, a diabolical activity, pseudo-miracle happened where they were able to walk through right next to, in the dark, I guess in like high weeds, right through the ICE agents, the the police manning the border without being seen. Like 40 or 50 people just passed right through them, even though under normal circumstances, they the police would have seen them. And there's this this concept of being covered by her mantle, which is a diabolical parody of Our Lady, which is another issue we can talk about. And she does these things, Santa Muerte. Yeah, it's it's so horrible. And I've seen these images. It's it's really disturbing because you you go to Kroger in Texas and you go to Fiesta and places like that. Even H E B, you'll go to these places in Texas and you'll see holy candles. You're like, oh, that's interesting. They have these these things marketed towards Catholics in Texas. And you go down the list of uh, shelf by shelf, and it's like Our Lady Guadalupe, it's Saint James, it's Saint Jude. It's you go further down, then it's the lucky candles. And it's mm-hmm. the lottery candles. In the very bottom, they have Santa Muerte candles and black candles. Uh, could you uh, speak about that? We're about to go to a break. Give about one minute. Sure. Yeah, this is one of the things. So the occult um, is is really a parody of Catholicism. All aspects of the occult are a mockery, a diabolical mockery of the of Catholicism. Santa Muerte is very much a diabolical mockery of Catholicism. Like intensely, a lot of followers of Santa Muerte call themselves Catholics, and a lot of them excluding the drug cartel people, I think that this is compatible with Catholicism. That just betrays their ignorance to the matter. But candles apparently are one of the big devotional items. Again, a mockery of Our Lady, because votive candles in the Catholic Church is very popular, bless candles and things. But candles dedicated to Santa Muerte are a very big deal when it comes to worshiping her. When we come back, 
We're going to discuss the origins of Santa Muerte. I'm going to ask Charles about that. And then we're going to talk about some of the stories about what happened and why it's dangerous. Stay away. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. How much havoc would be caused at your church if your pastor brought a big statue of St. Peter or St. Paul and placed them in the sanctuary? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, history's on the side of the Catholic Church. Christian art in many forms dates way back to about 120 A.D. And so do those various Christian symbols which we still see today. You know, a dove, a fish, a lamb. Why are those okay? Secondly, the Bible, Exodus, Numbers, and Ezekiel. All these books show God telling Moses, David, or Ezekiel to carve out images of angels that were used in worship. And, and thirdly, a tough comeback, especially for my guy friends. Does Cooperstown, Canton, or Cleveland mean anything to you? Yep, the Hall of Fame locations filled with statues, jerseys, bats, and balls. Memorabilia is a $37 billion industry, but you say, don't bring a statue into my church. Well, how many of you guys have admired one of those bronze statues of an athlete? I'd rather stare at St. Peter's, Paul, and Mary in my church, and I'm not talking about the old folk band. I bet you're wondering to yourself, how can I win a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C? Easy. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Only $25 a ticket or five tickets for $100. The drawing is February 24th, 2023. So, do you feel lucky? Well... Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And joining us right now is Charles Braun, the author of Slaying Dragons, What Exorcists See and What We Should Know. You're going to want to stay up to date with what he's up to because he's going to be releasing a a couple new books on the topic of the occult. Very fascinating. I'm very excited. We'll definitely have to have him back on when those books come out. But we're talking about the Santa Muerte cult. It's very disturbing. And I w- he was sent me a couple pages from his upcoming book. And I wanted to read just a little portion of it to you. He said that when there's, uh, in reporting from people that were, he was interviewing, they saw people who saw statues of Our Lady of Mount Carmel in taxis and buses. But in Mexico, you will also see altars to Santa Muerte in those same taxis and buses. And then in Mexico, when someone visited the Basilica of Guadalupe, there is even a shrine to Santa Muerte outside. There were black candles and other paraphernalia associated with Santa Muerto, Muerte. These Guadalupanos who are looking for the Blessed Mother see this and think it means that they are going to have a holy death by following her. That is very concerning to me. I saw that and I was like, wow, like right next to the shrine of Our Lady Guadalupe, the devil clearly is trying to ape the church. Charles, uh, what, what do you say about that situation? Uh, could you expound upon that? Yeah, it's um, one of the, um, there are two main researchers, anthropologists. I, I can't remember the lady's name, but Andrew Chestnut, he wrote a book um, on holy death. I can't remember the title of it, but Andrew Chestnut, you can look him up. But yeah, it's, um, it's so bad. What was it? One of the, um, Let's see, the, uh, the president of Mexico, yeah, in 2009, there were 30 shrines in one of the cities, and the, they sent in the Mexican army to destroy 30 shrines to Santa Muerte because it had become so prolific, so widespread, and so dangerous that even the, even the government is recognizing this is an evil that needs to be destroyed because they are popping up everywhere. I think another report I saw was that there were uh, dozens, maybe just in Mexico City, now that's the the hotbed of this this cold, but it's spreading all throughout the country. Um, 
And, yeah, and then, the, of course, the, the cartels are jumping on it and propagating it. But it's not just the cartels. Like you mentioned in the, the anecdote, a lot of just Catholics who are poorly formed and are superstitious are embracing it. Somehow they get past the creepy skeleton issue and think that this is actually a saint who is an intercessor. This is one of the big things. She's an intercessor between us and God, but allows us, like kind of an anti-Messiah, allows us to do whatever we want and still go to heaven. Yeah, it's very disturbing. Do you know what the origins are of this cult? It seemed to have just popped up out of nowhere, but maybe it's it's older than we think. Yeah, uh, so it's, that, that history is really interesting. There are um, two documentations, two mentions in the records of the Spanish Inquisition in 1790 oh, and 1791. Wow. Yeah. So, so it's a, it's a, it's a syncretistic thing, which happens, you know, like with voodoo, it's a syncretism between Catholicism and Yoruba from Africa into Haiti. So when the, when the church came over, they brought images, sacred images, popular images. So the Grim Reaper was an image that came over. So we see that Santa Muerte looks very much like the Grim Reaper. Uh, not specific, not exactly, because she's still holding a globe and does other things, but has the, the scythe in her arm. Uh, so 1791, and then, um, what was it? Two shrines were discovered in Mexico City at the same time in the, the late 1800s, the late 1700s, and they was, were destroyed by the Inquisitors. So that's, but then it disappeared. So I think uh, there's also a, some people believe that, I can't pronounce the name, one of the Aztec goddesses of death, which was symbolically destroyed in the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. I think there were numerous goddesses and gods that she symbolically destroyed in the way the image was designed. But they believe that Santa Muerte is a resurrection of one of those um, goddesses of death, which I can't pronounce, starts with an M. Um, but so it disappeared from 1791 until 1940 when it started to pop up kind of out of nowhere in Mexico and really took off in 2001 when the devotion became public. And then because of the miracles that were being reported, it spread like wildfire. Of course, it spread in this modern era where we have a, a void, a great void of the faith lots of superstition. So people are going to latch on to something, especially if it's proving itself by miracles, then, hey, you know, go after it. That's what people are doing. This is, Santa Muerte is just another form of the occult, but a very public face of a demon, like a very public demon. Mm -hmm. It's really strange. Yeah, it's very strange indeed. You know, I'm thinking of the, our Lord going into the desert and the devil appearing saying, I'll give you all the riches if you just bow down and worship me. And that's literally what Santa Muerte is doing. It's uh, literally doing exactly what that. And the other idea is, you know, what do we want the entire world for the sake of our souls? Uh, that's another thought. Uh, I want to get your take on this. I was reading your, your the story you sent over, and I was blown away by it. You had mentioned the story of the, the woman who uh, was telling how the coyotes gave them uh, medals of Santa Muerte, and they all agreed to join the ritual, and then they were able to cross through the ice without being seen. Uh, you The story continued with said, uh, when this lady arrived in the U.S., she delayed fulfilling the promise and put aside the medal. However, the medal would often reappear as it reminding her of the promise. Over the next three to four years, this occurred frequently, and she was also given a black candle on one occasion. At this point, the entity which eventually frightened her into seeking out the help of the church, began to appear to her physically, saying, You promised me, so if you don't fulfill your promise, I'm going to take them, pointing at her two children. Santa Muerte and human trafficking is also connected, and many cases of kidnapping related to human trafficking, uh, I could skip over that, and you mentioned also in the same story, how, or maybe it was a different story, how the husband or the person who was living with them, I don't think it was the husband, uh, they didn't want to get rid of 
a the the things because they were making money once they got rid of it. And they said, here it is. After she had taken the medal, the man stopped earning as much money, and he got very mad, and they reversed course and stopped coming to the church. Very interesting. Uh, those are two different stories that are kind of conflated, but uh, could you expound upon that? Tell me the analysis of that situation. Yeah. Um, so that was from um, one of my interviews, like you mentioned. And then when I was looking at my research uh, ahead of this um, this conversation we're having now, I realized that this is a common thing. Like one of the one of the interviews that was done in an article I read said that um, uh, some devotees believe that cutting a deal with Santa Muerte can be a double-edged sword. So that if you and they say specifically, if you don't fulfill the promises you make to her, she will come after one of your loved ones. So in that story that you just read, the physical manifestation of Santa Muerte pointed after pointed the kids. And then there was another story, I think the one you alluded to at the end, where the uh, nobody was baptized and there was a baby involved. And the baby's room was the darkest room in the whole house for some reason. And they felt some entity kind of hovering around the house going trying to get to the kid. So Santa Muerte, you know, commands the drug cartels to sacrifice people, essentially. Like some of the reports are really, really gruesome what they do. And it's but then she comes, she fulfills her promises if they will do what they do. But you can see, you can see this is one of the dangers. And a lot of exorcists have gotten involved with people, like in these stories, who um get it get tangled up with Santa Muerte and can't get out, which is of course very common for the occult in general. Hey Charles, this is uh Tito Edwards. I have a question regarding for someone who is trapped in Santa Muerte and has tried to get out, what can they do? Can they see a priest or an exorcist? Can they get the house blessed? Can they bring icons in? What are the steps they can take to get, to be rid of and, and, uh, and, and move on from Santa Muerte and return to the church? Because God is more powerful than any demon. Yeah. And one of the things you, you mentioned there is alludes to the entanglement that the soul gets with uh, with Santa Muerte, because one of the stories um, an exorcist recounted of dealing with a man who had been deep into Santa Muerte and had made all these sacrifices to her and got all these rewards, all these presents, all these gifts. And then she, by that, he was kind of bound to her. And the priest was like, well, you got to do a lot of work. You got to renounce all these things. You got to give these things back, give these things away, destroy these things, renounce your connections. But the man didn't want to. He's like, how am I going to do that? I'm so deeply deeply embedded in Santa Muerte. I think that's one of the diabolical tricks with Santa Muerte is that she'll be very active. And then as a result, it's almost impossible for you to rewind. So that's the the uh, difficulty. But uh, if you have been involved in Santa Muerte, yes, go find a priest who's trained in it. You can track them down. Not every priest, a lot of priests aren't trained. A lot of priests don't know what to do, but you can track them down. And there are deliverance prayers that they can do. Perhaps there is oppression or obsession or even possession as a result of Santa Muerte. Uh, but there are lots of memorabilia. One of the creepy things about this cult is that it completely mocks the faith. Like they have scapulars, they have candles, they have medals, they have like sacred heart badges, but Santa Muerte, Santa Muerte medallions, statues, shirts. Like it's a full, it's a full, you know, religious cult with all the trappings. So once you get deep, you, you got to dig all that stuff out of your house and destroy it and then be ready for the retaliation that's going to come. But if, one of the things that makes it difficult for people in Santa Muerte is that often they're very superstitious, so they don't understand how to come back into the sacramental life of the church. So then it's hard to reach them, essentially. But they are reachable if they could just get to a priest, go to confession, get the house blessed, destroy all the paraphernalia, renounce all of your attachments, you know, give back or destroy anything Santa Muerte gave you. Um, even You may have to even preach against it. You know, mm. Publicly renounce it. It might be necessary. But wow. 
then really beef up your spiritual life because diabolical retaliation is a reality in the occult. And especially from my research, like everybody who leaves the occult suffers sometimes for a while, sometimes for years or decades from ongoing retaliation. Uh, we're certainly going to have to have you back on to talk about this some more. It's uh, so concerning, and there's just not enough time to talk about it all. Uh, one last thing um, before we run out of time today is a story you had here. The boy who had been in the woods with friends late one night when they saw a car stop near them and throw something out of the window. Occultists and witches often bury things in the woods at night. They are related to spells and curses they cast. Woods are a great place for this. The boy was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and the boy suffered for over a year with random things that would come and go, like suicidal thoughts, feelings of grief, pain, sadness, all of which had no connection with reality. That was very concerning to me. I was seeing that, and I was like, oh, okay, so we normally hear things like, oh, you have to be personally involved in it for it to be a problem. So give me your analysis of that story. Yeah, the <clears throat> so even devout Catholics, if God wills, so if you're a devout Catholic in a state of grace, pray every day, um, you're fortified, you're humble, you trust God, you'll generally be protected from all diabolical attacks, all extraordinary diabolical attacks. Now, God may allow you to suffer an extraordinary one like this boy suffered to purify you, to teach you about spiritual warfare. This is the reality, but he'll protect you through it. You may suffer, but, you know, this is the Christian life to suffer. So the boy may have had some kind of spiritual opening that allowed him to be vulnerable. I didn't get those details. But even if he didn't, even if he was a faithful Catholic, um, God God allowed it because the curses are being thrown. So like one of the one of the exorcists I talked to um, said that witches will just like sometimes some not all witches some are more passive than others but some will aggressively curse priests and bishops and they're throwing them out there so if there's ever any opening or if god just wants to allow that bishop or priest to feel what these curses are so they learn better then you could get hit with it so this is kind of a rare incident but it does happen because there are lots of there's lots of evil out there yeah uh, let's see if we can fit in one last thing could you briefly talk about the uh, relation to the to uh we know we don't have time uh, <laughs> sorry i would love to talk to you about the the its relation to human trafficking you had an interesting uh, story that you shared there as well with human trafficking and other stories about the cartel and the drug trade and the curses on the drugs and things like that so many so many stories it's bad, guys. It's bad. Don't do it. Stay away. But thank you, Charles, for being on with us. You can find his book at theslayingdragonsbook.com. Go there to find all information. But God love you, Charles. Thank you. And we'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time after this short break. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early Church Fathers ever wrote any 
anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Marty, the TRN is raffling off a 2023 Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. Whoa, Doc, that's heavy. What, are we going to have to like go back in time to get tickets? Not at all, Marty. Just call 888-784-3476 or go to grnonline.com. We better hurry, Marty. The drawing takes place February 24th, the year 2023. We really need one of those smartphones, Doc. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Patrick from St. Vincent de Paul Catholic Church. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. February 16th, it's almost to the weekend. Did you accomplish everything you needed to this week? Here's a reminder, just in case you forgot, you have to respond to that email, remember? That email you got on Monday, you got to respond to that. You said you're going to put off that assignment from Tuesday. You said you're going to do that later this week. Remember, you got to go do that. And and remember, yesterday you told you told your spouse that you're going to take care of that tomorrow. Um, did you take care of that? Just wanted to remind you. You're welcome. Uh, you can thank me later. But yes, we're almost to the weekend. God bless you. That was a really awesome interview with Charles Fraun. I, we could talk to him for just an hour, maybe more about this whole situation. There's so much information, so many stories, too. Uh, what did you think about that, Tito? I thought it was fascinating. <clears throat> what I, I got out of that is that it's much more prevalent than I thought. And I was curious to know what happened between 1791 and the 1940s when it when it popped up. I, my guess was it's probably underground, maybe done and celebrated in smaller villages and towns in Mexico and just resurfaced back in the 1940s. Uh, the other thing is, is I understand that sometimes God allows us to suffer, but even if somebody is in a state of grace and does not have any openings, I, I don't know, I'm not an expert. It, it's, it looks to me that you would be defended from a diabolical attack, from a curse. Well, generally speaking, but we know, like, for instance, Padre Pio, he uses in a state of grace and he got physically assaulted by demons. But was Padre Pio cognizant? That he was, he knew his suffering was was meant for something better, or does it matter? It doesn't matter whether you 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 know that this is for something better. I don't know if it matters. I think okay. it's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm not an expert, like like you said, but uh, I'd imagine that if uh, if God can allow it, then God can allow it, right? Yeah. Um, the other question is, you know, Father Ripperger. He I remember listening to a talk he gave once, and he had mentioned that. Um, Whenever you commit a mortal sin, you you are in the realm of the devil, and at that moment you could be possessed. It was the it is the right of the devil to possess you, but 
God blocks it 99.9% of the time. And just that 0.1% of the time, he allows the person to get possessed. But it is actually the right of the devil to do so. So if you're, even if you're not a bad person, you're not involved in the occult, but you're not in a state of grace, uh, that, that alone would put you in a situation where you could be cursed and just God blocks it most of the time. And then sometimes he's like, well, he's, uh, I'll let the devil have his, have, have his just due. Speaking of demonic attack, remember the Pope that had this vision that God allowed uh, the devil to have a hundred-year reign on Earth? Leo the Thirteenth. Yeah, Leo the Thirteenth. Uh, do you think that hundred-year reign is over? I don't know. That's a good question. You know, there's a lot of uh, controversy about that statement in terms of like they don't know when it happened, what year he's talking about. Did it start immediately at that vision, or was he meaning that it's going to start at a certain point in the future? And there's a lot of debate about that topic, and some people argue whether it didn't even happen. Though I'm pretty sure it did. I was looking into it, and it seemed to be from a credible source. I think it was from his personal secretary, the one who reported on it. But I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's very interesting. But you know, it is, was an interesting point you had mentioned. Like it probably was around forever, right? Since since Our Lady of Guadalupe appeared, yeah, it just went underground and was. Uh, it was a cult, a secret. It was secret. And it's interesting because we kind of, uh, as a modern society, we shun what we call conspiracy theories. But these occult things have been around forever. Like, for instance, Freemasonry. And people are like, oh, Freemasons, they're not bad. They're just a good old boys club. My uncle's part of the Freemasons and things like that. Well, these secret societies, you have to understand that whenever we lived in a country, in a society that was Christendom, that everything and everyone was Catholic. And you had the the rights of the church being lifted up and the good of souls as the first and foremost end for the government. When that was the case, if you want to talk about uh, libertinism, if you want to talk about revolutionary ideas, if you want to talk about the demonic, those things are not allowed in a Catholic country. Those are forbidden. So if you want to talk about it, you have to create a secret society because otherwise you'd be punished legally because we think of the American context of freedom of religion, and but this was not the case in the in, in other countries. You did not have the freedom to be a Satanist. You did not have the freedom to worship false gods. Those were not allowed. You didn't have the freedom to preach against Christ. And so if you wanted to do those things, you had to create secret societies, and the Freemasons was one of them. And these occult uh, religions, like Santa Muerte, would have been that. And so now we're seeing it more out in the open, because now we live in society where... You don't need to be a secret. The people need to understand that it's not being culturally insensitive. The Aztecs and, and most societies that had their so-called gods, they were not benign. They, were, they did bad things at, at the best, and they purposely did diabolical and evil things at, at the worst. And this goddess uh, named uh, the Santa Muerte is from, this Aztec goddess, was one of those demons. And we have recorded evidence. When the conquistadors came, they were in the middle of a ritual where they slaughtered 90,000 enemies of the Aztecs because they had to satisfy their god, X to popcorn, not sure what it is. But uh, these things are real, and they manifest themselves. And, And no matter what you do or what you say, you cannot be convinced. I remember four years ago in in the state of Indiana, police documented a possessed house and family members crawling on the floor, 
floating around and un, an unusual activity occurring in the house. And it was documented in the police reports. You can still find it. And yeah. so these things are real. They're, they're, not, uh, they're not like UFOs where they've never captured one. <laughs> There's actually documented evidence from the time of Plato to today. Yeah, it's it's like uh, I forgot who was it. It was the the judge was it Scalia who said um, whenever she, he was mocked about believing in demons, he said uh, people smarter than you and I have believed in demons. And I thought that was very interesting because he was being mocked by the secular media for believing in demons. And but yeah, everybody until today believed in demons. Everyone. It is only our modern skeptical society that believes that we are above this supernatural reality and the same is it true of like these uh cryptids these uh, these aliens these uh bigfoot type things bigfoot um these uh, different kind of ideas it's kind of and uh, i see it almost as people wanting to believe in something beyond ourselves something that is mysterious something that is that is a preternatural that's something greater than ourselves and they're trying to come up with something like that that is purely naturalistic. There is, on that point of Bigfoot, they have yet to capture a Bigfoot. An arm, a leg. A photo. A photo. <laughs> Everyone's walking around with iPhone 15 Plus Max with cameras that can zoom in times 10,000 and they can't get a photo? Very good point. The, camera, the, the availability of video cameras today in our cell phones is ubiquitous. How is it that we have not captured one? Yes, I'll, I'll eat my words if we do catch yeah, one. me too. But they've been around for so long, allegedly, that <clears throat> why haven't we seen any evidence? There is no evidence. We have evidence oh. of the demonic. We just don't have evidence of Bigfoot or yeah. UFOs or, any, or cryptoids or whatever jargon there is. It's pretty funny that you, because, yeah, the, the only photos we have of, like, of Loch Ness Monster, of these kind of things. The only photos we have are from before so, uh, modern photography. And now that we have modern photography, there hasn't been a single photo of any of these things. Many of these photos before the, the advent of cell phones and modern photography, the people on their deathbed who took them, not all of them, some of them, and, and I, I suspect probably most of them, have said it was it was a joke. It was actually it was a, hoax, a, yep. a, yeah, a, a, a hoax. It was actually a duck uh, one of those fake ducks that they have when hunters go hunting for, for a wild duck. All he did was just scrape the neck, make it look longer, and threw it out in the uh, in the Loch Ness and took a photo of it. And <laughs> it was a practical joke. That's funny. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention from the that we just didn't have enough time to talk about was in many cases of kidnapping related to human trafficking. And listen to this, it's crazy. Young girls have disappeared from malls and big cities with both a high rate of trafficking and a prevalence of Santa Muerte, it is known that demons can assist in opening doors, covering people so they are invisible, and other manipulations that would empower a trafficker. Girls have been reported to enter into restrooms at these malls and never come out, only to then be reported as kidnapped and lost to a human trafficking group. That's super interesting to me. And, you know, people might say that sounds too far-fetched. And maybe it is. I don't know. It does sound very fantastical. At the same time, you know, we as Catholics, we believe that the, the demons have these abilities because they are angels. That's why St. Paul warns us not to believe. Even if an angel from heaven came down and preached a gospel contrary to this, don't believe him. Because what is he talking about? He's talking about demons. 
because demons are angels from heaven that were fallen, and now they're, they're from hell, and they will try to deceive you. And they have the same abilities. We hear the great stories of St. Michael's power, of Gabriel, of Raphael, of all these archangels. And the demons, in a similar way, have fantastical abilities that are natural to them. And so we should be aware of it, and we should try to protect ourselves from it. So armor up. Pray your St. Michael prayer. Wear your brown scapular. Wear the miraculous medal. These type of things. Pray the rosary every day. Be under the mantle, not of Santa Muerte, but be under the mantle of Our Lady. She is the one that, when her very gaze sends the demons into flight. It's very uh, interesting because the, the demons are a cowardly bunch. They flee from a, from a young lady, uh, from Our Lady. Even, but even the mention of the name Jesus, if you, I just, just popped in my head right now. If you see a Santa Muerte site and, and you see Our Lady in there and say, well, it's not anything that you've described on the radio. Go up to Our Lady, turn that statue around. You're mm. going to see the manifestation. And what I mean by manifestation, it's Santa Morte on the other side. That's how they disguise our uh, Santa Morte on some of these shrines that you see popping up all over Mexico and southern U.S. Yeah, for sure. That, that is very true. They've um, identified that the police have because they they will hide drugs and things like that around Santa Morte statues, and they often will hide it on the backsides of images, usually of Our Lady Guadalupe and things like that. Very concerning, uh, that situation. But I do think, you know, you mentioned the holy name of our Lord. Anytime you see these kind of demonic things, just utter the phrase, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, I rebuke this evil, evil thing. And so that just invoking the holy name of our Lord and our Lady especially our Lord and our lady, because they are so, they're just the holy names of Jesus and Mary as such a sweetness. And if you think about those words, you, they roll off your tongue and they have such great power, uh, but do so in a state of grace, go to confession, repent of your sins and grow your relationship with Christ because it's in a relationship with Christ only that you will be able to protect yourselves from these things. If you're unaware of why the devil is so afraid, most afraid of Our Lady more than, than God, I, I think that's right, is that it's been prophesied in the Bible that she shall crush the demon's head. Yeah, St. Louis de Mumford says that he, the devil fears Our Lady more, not because she's more powerful than God, but because of the humility of Our Lady. Because, you know, if, if a big, strong man comes up to you and beats you up, there's no shame in that. I mean, nope. it's not, it's not fun. You're still getting beat up. I don't want to get beat up, but it's not, it's no, there's no shame in it. But if a little scrawny guy or a scrawny little girl comes up to you, a 10 year old little girl comes up and you're a grown man and she beats you up, man, not only did you just get beat up, but that just d destroyed your pride. That he, the fact that a, someone very small and humble and meek just destroyed you, man, that's so embarrassing. And the devil hates that. So it's not that Our Lady is more powerful than God. Correct. It's by her humility that the devils flee and are in terror of Our Lady. It's by her humility, which tells us what? That humility is a virtue that we want to inculcate into ourselves. Well, we're going to jump into our game show, Fear and Trembling. You can call now, 877-757-9424. That's the number to call. Just dial 877-757-9424. 
You know the game show. If you want to be the contestant, call now, 877-757-9424 is the number to participate in Fear and Trembling. One last time, 877-757-9424 for Fear and Trembling. We'll be right back. Holy raffle, Batman! The GRN is raffling off a Mercedes-Benz CLA 250C. If we win, that could be our new Batmobile. Great idea, Robin. Uh, how do we get tickets? Easy, Batman. Just go to grnonline.com or call 888-784-3476. Tickets are $25 for one or $100 for five. I knew you were good for something. Quick, hand me my bat phone. I promise to love you in good times and in bad, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. On your wedding day, you made this vow to your spouse in the presence of God and all those present. These are not words to be taken lightly. And the reality is that the responsibilities of marriage and family can be challenging at times. Good times can become bad in the blink of an eye. Things like financial hardship and sickness, among others, very often bring about fears and anxieties that make it difficult to be as loving as we should be. There is a simple Latin phrase to keep on hand when fear and anxiety take over our thoughts. Quid est hoc ad aeternitatem? What is this in the light of eternity? In other words, keep things in proper perspective. While the challenges here on this earth seem like a big deal at the moment, they are but a flash in the pan compared to all of eternity in heaven. This has been a minute for your marriage and family from the Three Hearts Institute. Check us out on Facebook. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross Studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. is the number to call to be part of the fear and trembling game show where we give out prizes. It's very simple. Be able to win the prize this week. And we are very happy for all of our listeners. If you don't get on today, make sure you get on tomorrow. So you don't want to miss out. So we have one more opportunity this week. So if you are not the caller today, make sure you hop on. And let me give you a, a pro tip, as one might say, a pro gamer move. You can go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. There is listed our phone number. And you can put that in speed dial. You can put that on your on your contact list and just dial out as soon as we hit the 7 o'clock hour or the 8 o'clock hour Eastern time, 7 Central, and dial in early, stay on hold, and you will be the first caller. So there's a pro tip for you if you're not the first caller. But how do you play the game? The game is very simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions here. And I don't ask you the questions. I ask Tito 
I ask Rudy, and it's their job to give me an answer, and it's your job to tell me who's right, who's wrong, who is trying to trick you. All those are your questions, and it'll be very easy. For every question you get right, you get one entry into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? They could win this CDT prize pack, a very popular item here at uh, Fear and Trembling. Awesome. Yeah, we will be giving you a, a coffee cup of divine providence, a replica of the coffee cup of divine providence, signed by the team here. And we may also throw in a book by Fulton Sheen. As Alan, our dear friend Alan Smith with uh, Fulton Sheen today, has generously sent over a book, a copy of Fulton Sheen's Cries of Jesus from the Cross. And he said that I could give that away to a very lucky listener. So stay tuned. Make sure you call in today and tomorrow. If you're not the caller today, make sure you call in early tomorrow to be in on the show. But joining us right now by a phone is Alan. Good morning to you, Alan. Buenos dias to you all. Very good. And it was a great show this morning. Awesome, Alan. Is this our dear friend, Alan Mallory? Yes, it is. Awesome. Good morning to you, Alan. What, remind me, where, where do you go to church again? You kind of go all over the place. <laughs> I am a registered member of St. John Vianney Parish. St. John Vianney Parish. Well, shout out to St. John Vianney Parish in Houston, Texas. Well, thank you for being our caller. Alan, I'm sure you know how to play the game. You listen regularly. Uh, you're familiar with the game? Yes, uh, I am. Perfect, perfect. And what do you got going on today? Are you going to drive to San Antonio for the San Antonio Rodeo? Uh, unfortunately, no. I am going to uh, drive into my work at uh, the local liquor store, uh, which is where I work. And um, But no, I will be going to the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo in two, less than two weeks and then the week thereafter that. Nice. So you're going to Tejano night, right? <laughs> I wish. No, I'm going to Brooks and Dunn and Jason Aldean. Okay, Brooks and Dunn and Jason Aldean. Brooks and Dunn, that's but a good one. I know one. someone going to Tejano night. I know someone going to Tejano day, yes. Okay, wonderful. I know um, typically my uh, some of my family members will end up at Tejano night. But let's jump into the first question. Alan, are you ready? Estoy listo. Awesome. Let's go to Rudy first. Rudy, are you ready? Here I am. Awesome. The question <laughs> is, what is the circular halo over the head of Christ or the saints called? Yes, that's what's known as the Ring of Distinguishment. It was created in the Renaissance period when you uh, were seeing a resurgence of, uh, of a uh, liturgical sacred art. So they would make the halo. Everybody needed a term. Oh, what do you call that thing? Some people called it this. Some people called it that. It became the Ring of Distinguishment. Oh, the Ring of Distinguishment. I feel like I've heard that before. Okay. Well, we're going to go to you, Tito. Tito, the question on the board is, what is the circular halo over the head of Christ or the saints called? The circular halo, that was named after that video game, right, Rudy? Um, I think it's Nimbus. Nimbus, after the video what game. What video game is that? Yeah, too? what video game is that? <laughs> I think Nimbus. Halo. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Tito um, plays Halo confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> now, confirmed, Tito is a gamer. Uh, Alan Mallory, the question on the board is, what is the circular halo over the head of Christ or the saints called? Our pro gamer over here, Tito Edwards, seems to think that it's Nimbus. And the and, uh, Rudy Carlos <laughs> thinks it's Ring of Distinguishment. Uh, so, T, uh, not Tito, Alan, <laughs> 15 seconds on the clock. What say you? Uh, I'm I'm going to go with Rudy. You're going to go with Rudy. All right, Rudy. Sure. Oh! Ouch! He got oh, tricked. Yeah. <laughs> Rudy tricked Alan, you. Yeah, Alan, Ring of Distinguishment Alan. sounds like a real thing. That sounds like a real thing. Yeah. And also, immediately, I was actually thinking of uh, Lord of the Rings. I was like, oh, maybe Same that's uh, that, maybe that's another. You got your, your one ring to rule them all, and then you got your Ring of Distinguishment. Um, but no, the answer is, in fact, a Nimbus, which is not from Halo, the video game. Um, I don't know, Fun actually, fact, the though, origin of that word. The Ring of Distinguishment, it gives you plus five to charisma. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. Learn something. There you go. So I don't know what Nimbus means. I'll have to look it up. Maybe I'll tell everybody in the after show. I'll look up the uh, etymology of that word. But let's go to the second question. Tito, let's go and start with you. All right. So the question on the board is which pope worked on the destruction and rebuilding of St. Peter's Basilica in the Renaissance? Ooh. Ah, yes. I saw the movie on this, The Agony and the Ecstasy. So with that bit of inside information, I'm going with Pope Charlton Heston. Pope Charlton Heston. The the first? The first. The first, okay, yes. That, that makes a very important distinction. Uh, we don't want to get him confused with the second or the third, right? Correct. Okay, let's go to Rudy. Rudy, the question on the board is, which pope worked on the destruction and rebuilding of St. Peter's Basilica in the Renaissance. All right. <clears throat> Let me paint a picture for you. Close your eyes. Okay. Look to the left. Unless you're driving, in which case, <laughs> especially, don't close your eyes. Especially if you're driving, close your eyes. Uh, take a nap. Uh, just kidding. Don't do that. Look to the right, and you're going to see yourself at the mall, and you're going to see Orange Julius. And you're going to think, why do they call it that? Well, it's named after Pope Julius II, who helps to rebuild the St. Peter's Basilica. And the reason the connection there is Pope Julius and Orange Julius are both very good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, sorry. No, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that, it, make, it makes sense to me. I know, I, I leave that, you breathless. With that, that is, uh, it's, logic that is, is log Yes. What a factoid. Yes. Huh? factoid. Um, yes, my, one of my favorite beverages was created by Orange Julius, actually. Uh, but the question on the board is, which pope worked on the destruction and rebuilding of St. Peter's Basilica in the Renaissance? Well, Tito Edwards says that it's Pope Charlton Heston, uh, the first, not the second or the third, the first. And Rudy seems to think that it's Pope Julius II, not to be confused with Orange Julius, which is the someone first. else. Uh, it's a different, you know. So what's it? Who's right? Who's wrong? Alan Mallory, is it? Pope Julius II, as Rudy says, or is it Pope Charlton Heston the first, as Tito says? <laughs> it's Rudy. It's Rudy. Way to go. Very good, Alan. That was a hard one, I know. That was a very difficult question. Uh, I don't know how you got it. Very, very difficult. 
But I saw the movie. Don't worry. You are in the coffee cup of Divine Providence at least once today. Let's try to get you in for number two. You ready for number three? Yes. All right. Let's jump into question number three. What prayer, this question is going to Rudy first, what prayer is the brief formula made up of 12 statements covering the fundamental beliefs of Catholics? All right, that's going to be the Apostles' Creed. So next time you're in Mass and you're thinking, man, why don't we always do this? This is just, uh, uh. here we go with the Creed again. Now i got to stand up. Well, it covers the 12 most fundamental aspects of our faith. There you go, Apostles', Apostles Creed. Creed. All right, Rudy's on the board for Apostles' Creed. Sounds made up to me. Uh, but let's go to Tito. Tito, what prayer is the brief formula made up of 12 statements covering the fundamental beliefs of Catholics? Well, being the pro video gamer that I am, I first thought of it was the Assassin's Creed. Ah. But uh, I'm going to go, I, I'll be serious. No gamies on this one. Uh, the Disciples' Creed. That the is Disciples the correct Creed. name for All right. the 12 statements covering the fundamentals of our faith. All right, Alan Mallory, what say you? Is it the Disciples' Creed, as Tito says, or is it the Apostles' Creed, as Rudy said, or is it option number three, Assassin's Creed? What say you, Alan Mallory? <laughs> oh my God. Um, it's, um, it's Rudy. It's Rudy. Sure. Nailed it. <laughs> wow. Way to go, Alan. Two for three. That's pretty good. And... If you're going to join us, dear listener, on our catechism series where we are going to go through the catechism as a CDT team, you can join us going grnonline.com forward slash CDT, getting on our email list. We are going to go through the Apostles' Creed because Aquinas explains the 12 articles of the Creed, and we're going to go through that with you. So just keep that in mind. But Alan, thank you very much for calling in today. God bless you. God love you. You're in for two. That's pretty good. And if you win... Well, you could just pick up the prize next time you come into the studio. After you put the chairs that, together. That would be great. <laughs> all righty, Alan. God bless you. God love you. Have a good day. And to you as well, too, all of you. Well, that's going to do it for today. Make sure you keep in touch with us. And by doing so, going to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and getting on our email list. But if you want more CDT today, hop onto our social media streams where we... We'll be interacting with you directly. YouTube, Facebook, Odyssey, Rumble. There, we will interact with you directly in one moment. We'll be right back. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. ...org or salt.net. This Mass, today we celebrate a votive Mass in honor of St. Peter the Apostle. This Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is offered for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio.
The church is one foundation, is Jesus Christ her Lord. She is his new creation, by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her, to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. O God, who gave the keys of the kingdom of heaven to your blessed apostle Peter and handed over to him the pontifical office of binding and loosing, grant, we pray, that through the help of his intercession we may be set free from the bonds of our sins. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fertile and multiply and fill the earth. Dread fear of you shall come upon all the animals of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon all the creatures that move about on the ground and all the fishes of the sea. Into your power they are delivered. Every creature that is alive shall be yours to eat. I give them all to you as I did the green plants. Only flesh with its lifeblood still in it shall you not eat. For your own lifeblood too I will demand an accounting. From every animal I will demand it. And from one man in regard to his fellow demand, I will demand an accounting for human life. If anyone sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has man been made. Be fertile then and multiply. Abound on earth and subdue it. God said to Noah and his sons with him, See, I am now establishing my covenant with you and, you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you, all the birds and the various tame and wild animals that were with you and came out of the ark. I will establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all bodily creatures be destroyed by the waters of a flood. There shall not be another flood to devastate the earth. God added, this is the sign that I am giving you for all ages to come of the covenant between me and you. I set my bow in the clouds to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. The word of the Lord. From heaven the Lord looks down on the earth. From heaven the Lord looks down on earth. The nations shall revere your name, O Lord, 
and all the kings of the earth your glory. When the Lord has rebuilt Zion and appeared in his glory, when he has regarded the prayer of the destitute and not despised their prayer. From heaven the Lord looks down on the earth. Let this be written for the generation to come, and let his future creatures praise the Lord. The Lord looked down from his holy height. From heaven he beheld the earth, to hear the groaning of the prisoners, to release those doomed to die. From heaven the Lord looks down on the earth. The children of your servants shall abide, and their posterity shall continue in your presence, that the name of the Lord may be declared in Zion, and his praise in Jerusalem, when the peoples gather together, and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. From heaven the the Lord Lord looks down on the earth. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. You have the words of everlasting life. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus and his disciples set out for the villages of Caesarea Philippi. Along the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said to him in reply, You are the Christ. And he warned them not to tell anyone about him. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and rise after three days. He spoke this openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. At this he turned around and, looking at his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We continue in that first reading from the book of Genesis. And here God renews really the covenant that he had made at the beginning of creation with Adam and Eve, now with Noah. In fact, if you take the story of creation and you juxtapose that with, this, with the story of Noah, there are so many parallels that it makes it obvious that what God is wanting to say is that he is renewing that covenant that he made, and the sign of that covenant, of course, would be the rainbow. Isn't it unfortunate that today that beautiful symbol has been hijacked, first, I think, by the environmentalists back, back about 40, 50 years ago, and now by the LGBTQ plus or whatever it is, that that, that symbol has just been hijacked. But really, it is a sign. The rainbow is a sign of the covenant. So every time we see a rainbow, we should be reminded of that promise that God made to Noah, and indeed he has made to us, that he would not destroy the earth again by water. The covenant, the new covenant that God makes with us in Jesus Christ, of course, is that ever new and everlasting covenant 
by giving us the church. That's what we actually sang in that, that uh, song that began with uh, the church's one foundation. Um, she is his new creation by water and the word. We see that church that Christ is establishing on the profession of St. Peter, St. Peter's confession, which we hear in the gospel today. Who do people say that I am? Well, Peter gets it right. Of course, it is by the Holy Spirit that he says this. He says, you are the Christ. And Jesus says something interesting. He says, then he warned them not to tell anybody about him. But then when Jesus begins to talk about the cross, he says this openly. And you kind of get the feeling that St. Peter sort of brings Jesus aside and says, you know, uh, all the other things that you're saying, those are very good, but maybe you want to tone that down. <laughs> People are not going to really understand that. Uh, you're, gonna, they're going to misinterpret what you're saying. We kind of get it. Says, but these, you know, other people, they're not going to understand. And he's saying this openly. And of course, this is where Jesus rebukes Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. The cross is always going to be a difficulty, a stumbling block for the, uh, for the Gentiles and the Jews. A stumbling block for us, even. It's, it's, um, it's difficult. How could St. Peter be get it so right and then get it so wrong? <laughs> remember remember yesterday's gospel of the healing of the blind man in stages. Jesus places his hands on the blind man, and the blind man begins to see things sort of like pieces, people like, moving like trees, uh, but he can't see them very, very clearly. Jesus lays his hands on his eyes again, and he begins to see clearly. What, this is exactly what happens with St. Peter and, of course, all the other apostles, is that they recognize that Jesus is the Christ. But then when he begins to talk about the passion, the cross, all of this, they can, their eyes begin to get blurry again. And they can't really understand. And it is only when Jesus is on the cross and on, at, at the noonday, when, this, when, the, when there's no shadows, that they will understand exactly what he was trying to tell them. But they don't get it yet. So it is only, it is kind of in these stages that Jesus is revealing to, to it, this to them. And then when we think about St. Peter, it is on his profession of faith that the church is, is built and established. Even though he got it wrong, and even though he is the one who will, uh, who will deny the Lord, it is still on him that our Lord sets that firm foundation. And that is why each day we pray for our Holy Father, for the successor of St. Peter, that he would be strong in faith. And then when he turns, that he would strengthen the, the faith of his brothers and sisters, that is us in the church. So we want to thank St. Peter for his great and beautiful profession of faith, by which our, our faith is, is founded and renewed. That even though he didn't understand at first, you know, he would understand later, and he would be faithful and follow the Lord to the very end, to giving his life. Let us stand to bring our prayers and petitions before our Heavenly Father. We pray for our Holy Father, Pope Francis, that through the intercession of St. Peter, he'd be strong in faith and proclaim that faith boldly throughout the world. We pray to the Lord. Let's pray for those who are weak in their faith, those who have wandered away from the church. We pray through the intercession of St. Peter that they be brought 
brought back by his shepherding care, we pray to the Lord. Let us pray for those who are persecuted for their faith, that they would be strong and persevere and remain faithful to the Lord, even in times of struggle and trial and torture. We pray to the Lord. We pray for the sick and those who are suffering in any way, for, for, any, for any needs that they have, that the Lord would provide for them, console them in their spirit. We pray to the Lord. We pray for peace throughout the world, especially in those areas that suffer war and violence and terrorism. We pray to the Lord. We pray for those who have died, for all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. And finally, we take a moment of silence off of the prayers we hold in our hearts. For our intentions, for those joining us online through Guadalupe Radio, for all those who are enrolled in our Salt Mass Association, we pray to the Lord. Heavenly Father, hear our prayers and answer them according to your holy will, through Christ our Lord. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, who will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine, the work of human hands, will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Receive with favor your people's oblation, O Lord, we pray, as we commemorate the blessed Apostle Peter. For you taught him by a hidden revelation to confess you, the living God, and the Christ, your, and the Christ, your Son, and led him to bear witness to his Master by means of a glorious passion through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For you, Eternal Shepherd, do not desert your flock, but through the blessed apostles, watch over it and protect it always. 
so that it may be governed by those you have appointed shepherds to lead it in the name of your Son. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncheli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. To you, therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace, to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants. And all gathered here whose faith and devotion are known to you, for them we offer you this sacrifice of praise, or they offered for themselves and all who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls, in hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. In communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord, Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John and Paul, Cosmos, and Damian, and all your saints, we ask that through their marriage and prayers in all things we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray, graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable, so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands, and with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, as Almighty God giving you thanks. He said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and he took this, this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands, and once more giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me.
the mystery of faith. When we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Therefore, Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the Blessed Passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life and the chalice of everlasting salvation. Be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance and to accept them as once you were pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer, we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ, a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants, who those sinners, hope in your abundant mercies. Graciously grant some share in fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, Ignatius, Alexander, Marcellinus, Peter, Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, Agnes, Cecilia, Anastasia, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord, through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord, who sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. And graciously, graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. The suffrage of the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, 
you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Let us pray. Having been admitted, O Lord, to the banquet of salvation, as we venerate the memory of the blessed Apostle Peter, we ask with gladness that we may always hold fast to your Son, who alone has the words of life, so that as faithful sheep of your flock we may be happily led to eternal pastures through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. Come, brethren, follow where The Prayer to St. Michael
St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, this is Larry Massey, owner of Holy Bear's 